Last week, our senior pastor, who is the overseer of Abundant Life International Church Commission, started on a series called Supernatural Increase. And I'm going to take it from there this morning. And my title of my own little part of that series is called Blessed to Be a Blessing. Blessed to Be a Blessing. It's nothing original. It's nothing new. I'm just going to rehash by the Holy Spirit things that we already know, things that we should be living our lives by. But I'm going to take something from our pastor's message that he taught last week. One of his lines that stuck with me was, until you are blessed so much that you are a blessing to those around you, you have not arrived yet. Until you are blessed so much that you are a blessing to those around you, then you haven't arrived yet. Because, you know, in our world, there's a way that we think about someone who's blessed. And when we say supernatural increase, we're talking of, yeah, your home is increasing with, you know, just goodness, peace. But let me break it down. I'm also talking about you having enough to spend. So if you're a guest in our church, we don't talk about money all the time. But I, I, I was in a church in El Paso two, <laughs> two weeks ago. And it was interesting. There was one of their ministers who was saying, oh, our bishop told us, you know, he was teaching us about, you know, how to be blessed. And he said, oh, bishop, you know, I, I, I don't care about money. And then the bishop said back to him, you will care when you have nothing to eat. And then he said, I did care when I had nothing to eat. <laughs> because in Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, money answereth all things. I am a pastor. I also work a secular job. I can go to the grocery store and say, I am a child of God. Can I have a loaf of bread? Do you not see that I am a child of God? And then the cashier will say, uh, security. <laughs> because you will pay. You have to pay with something. And that's why money is important. It pays for your house. It pays for your car. It pays for your children's school fees. It pays for the heat, for the air. It, you know, it just pays for everything. If you get on the bus, even if you don't have a car, your money will have to pay for it. So at the end of the day, you really do need something in your pocket and you need something in your account. So I'm talking about blessed to be a blessing. When pastor was teaching last week, he was saying though, many people have their needs met. So all those things I, I, I just mentioned, rent, mortgage, car notes, and so on. Most people have that covered. Not everyone does, but most people do. But that's not where we stop. We don't stop until we are able to bless other people. It's not me, I, and myself. And it's not if you take care of your home and take care of your children, that does not mean that you're blessed. Yes, you're blessed. God has been good to you. But that's still you. That's the circle of you. Me, my husband, my children, maybe my parents and my sisters. That whole circle is still me. It, it, it centers around me. We need to move a little bit beyond that and kind of step out a little bit more so I am blessed to be a blessing unto others. So if we open our Bibles to Genesis 22, verse 15. Genesis 22, I'm going to take part of the verses we read last week. When Pastor was teaching, and I'm just going to quickly read through it. This is where Pastor took it from, and I have been studying it, and I have been so blessed. Genesis 22, verse 15. 
Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. Now we remember the story. That story really was about that man called Abraham. Anybody knows who Abraham is? Okay, now come on now. Church, this is a church that talks back. Anybody knows who Abraham is? <sighs> okay, I know we have guests. Kind of zoom out, zone out. Forget you have a guest around you and be with me now. Amen. It's time for the word. We have to be in it. Anybody knows who Abraham is? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Abraham was that man that was called by God to leave his home, leave the comfort zone, and come all the way, come to a place called the land of Canaan. He made it there, and God, you know, dealt well with him. He was 75 when he left, and then he came to this place, but he was looking for a child so bad, so bad, so bad, so bad. And then eventually he had a, a biological child through his maid, Hey, guy. And then his wife, Sarah, was kind of left out in the cold. And God said, uh-uh, that's not the plan. The plan is not for you to have a child by hey, guy. And then now you're all cool. And now Sarah is all miserable. I'm going to give you a child through Sarah. I called you both. I'm not going to allow you to have fun and be happy. And then Sarah is left in the cold. So God comes to him when he was age 99. And God says, you're still going to have a child. And Abraham says, well, God, come on now, God, you know. And when he says that, God says, no, I'm not kidding. You will have a child. And Sarah is going to have a child this time next year. This time, Sarah was 89. She was 89. And Sarah was kind of hiding in the tent and hearing. And she laughed a deep laugh. It's like. I, I know I have to be respectful to God, but it looks like he, he lost his marbles here. I am 89. And when, when he said 89, you know, even to us. Oh, by the way, I read on CNN. Oh, so, sorry. Okay, let me go back to the message. But I did read in CNN on the website. A woman in India had two twins. She was 73. This was last week. She had the baby last week. She was 73, and she and her, her husband is 78. So we're kind of creeping up towards Sarah now. That they did IVF. I did hear that the, the woman, the oldest woman who had a child was, um, was that 72 naturally? Just naturally 72. So if you're still believing God for a child, don't give up. God can do everything and anything. That's just an aside for whoever needs that. But Sarah was there. She was unhappy. God said, you're going to have a child. Eventually, God blesses them. They have a child named, what was the name of the child? Come on, people. Thank you, Isaac. So Isaac grows up. He's a young man. And then God comes to Abraham. Now, remember, they had this child when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah 90. So maybe Isaac is 10, 12, I don't know what age he was, and God comes to Abraham and said, uh-huh, Abraham, that son called Isaac, I need you to kill him as a sacrifice to me. And it's like, God, seriously, I told you I didn't want a child. You insisted I should get this child. I have this child. You want him dead? But he didn't argue. He got up in the morning. He went 
Isaac says, my father, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see the servants. Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And, Isaac, and Abraham says, don't worry, God will provide himself a sacrifice. So we're going to, and then they get there. So, because I want to, I'm giving you a background to the story. They get there. And God indeed provides a lamb caught in the thicket. And they took that lamb, slaughtered the lamb, and there was a sacrifice. Now, God was so impressed. This is one of the things I want us to know. Do you know that you can blow God's socks off if he ever wears socks? I don't think he wears socks, but just in case he did. He's, he, the Bible says God was so shocked at Abraham. Not that he wasn't expecting good of him, but it was like, seriously, you would actually lift up your knife and kill your son for me? So as he was about to kill his son, an angel calls out to Abraham, says, wait, 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 stop, stop, don't kill him. Now I know what I mean to you. And God says, stop. God gives him a lamb. He kills the lamb. And then from verse 15, now let's go to verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And God does what he doesn't do often. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Now listen, Abraham technically at that time had two children. He had Isaac, but he already had one before, Ishmael. God does not reckon Ishmael as Abraham's son. Not that God didn't want to bless him. He did bless him. He had 12 nations come out of him and so on. Because it was Abraham's seed. But as far as God is concerned, this is Abraham's only son. And God said, you gave me your only son. You did not withhold your only son. Then God swears. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Verse 18. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God blessed him and then said, I'm going to bless everyone in the world through you. Now Abraham had arrived. Because you have not arrived when the blessing God gives you is just for you and your family alone. We got to take one step further. Now, how does this all tie up with supernatural increase? Supernatural increase is when without you doing much, and I'm going to qualify that because I believe everyone should have a job. If you have a job, walking age, <laughs> But there is something about the supernatural move of God that makes life different. That's what we want to look at this morning. So I'm going to first define supernatural. Old Webster's Dictionary. Supernatural. Being beyond or exceeding the powers or laws of nature. Something miraculous. A supernatural event is one which is not produced 
according to the ordinary or established laws of natural things. So, for example, in 2 Kings 6, 1 to 6, the Bible says there's this prophet called Elisha, and he had all these mentees, we call them the sons of a prophet. They wanted to build a bigger room for themselves. They pull Elisha with, with them and say, come with, with us, we want to go cut wood by the river. And then he goes with them, but they borrowed an axe. So they get there, they start cutting, and when they started cutting, suddenly the head of the axe fell into the water. And in 2 Kings, verse, uh, in chapter 6, Verse 5, but as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. I borrowed this axe. I'm in trouble. The man of God in verse 6 said, where did it fall? This servant or this, this mentee shows him the place. The man of God cuts a stick and throws it into the water and the iron head or the axe head floated up. If you've ever done any kind of physics, you know that that's not right. Specific gravity of iron. Do you know how that works? Iron is suddenly heavier than water. If it drops in there, it should sink. Well, the man of God comes, gets a stick, throws it in there, and the iron floats up. That's supernatural. It breaks all the laws of physics and nature that we know. That's supernatural. So when we say supernatural increase, so supernatural events or miracles are produced by divine agency, God himself pushed himself into it. He got himself into it. God himself interrupted the normal course of nature. Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. He sang, but he walked on water. Jesus didn't sink. So the question is, how could somebody walk on water? It's not like in the movies where they put glass under. You know, when they put glass under the water, you can't see it. Somebody's walking and they told you he's walking on water, but there's actually something solid on. No, Jesus literally walked on water. That's supernatural. He has broken the laws of physics. He superimposes himself. So when we talk about supernatural increase, we're saying that the way the increase of God is going to come into your life will not necessarily follow the way you know how to increase. So one plus one is two. If God gets himself involved, one plus one can become a thousand. And he's not asking your permission for it. You know, when people say, oh, well, um, you know, God really shouldn't do things like that. He confuses us. He didn't ask you. Oh, supernatural increase. You guys just don't want to get up and go to work. I go to work every day. But I'm not shying away from any supernatural increase God wants to give me. Or I will not say no. I'm not saying God is a money doubler and I'm not saying he's a magician. But he does have laws. He has his own way of doing things. And that's what I want us to look at. Can you put that slide up for me, that poverty wealth spectrum?
I mentor women, and this is one of the slides I gave them. Ooh, this is so small, you can't see it. Suffice it to say that wealth, poverty is all the same spectrum. So at this end is poverty, at this end is wealth. So one end is crippling debt. You can't just, you can't, you can't make anything happen. You are in debt, you can't eat, you can't do anything. That's this end. At the very other end is wealth, superabundance. You don't know what to do with the money. You give it out all the time, but you can't seem to get rid of it. Like the Bill Gates of this world, they keep giving out the money. And some people in Forbes or Fortune are counting. Oh, now he's dropped to number three on the, billion, on the world's richest people. He's number three. Which number are you? I just keep looking at this, but I'm just laughing. Why are you counting and saying Bill Gates is number three now? Um, so, we're talking of billions and billions of dollars. When you have like one third of that, come let us talk. Until then, shh. So, we have crippling debt. We have wealth and superabundance. Somewhere in between that, most of us will fall in there. When you jump over, so you have poor in need, and you can, you know, I, I'm on welfare, and I need help all the time. Then you have poor, and, and um, I can walk, but I still need a lot of help. Then I just have, I'm walking, I can pay my basic bills. Then you skip over to sufficiency. You don't have anything left over, nothing left over. But at least you wake up in the morning and you can eat. Your three square meals, life is at least relatively normal and good. Then you go to the next where mm, my needs are met. I'm driving a good car. I'm actually driving a luxury car. I have some debts, but it's debt I went and picked up for myself. Then you get to the very end where I, I have no debts, and if I have debt, it's because I decided I wanted to invest in a business or something. I just have enough. So you see that whole spectrum? So what I'm talking about supernatural increase is that God can supernaturally move you from crippling debt all the way to wealth and superabundance, and he can do it in one day. Now, that blows the mind of the average human. I know now, I see glazed looks and <laughs> it's all right, it'll be fine. God can do that. Because if God can cause a, an axe head to float, which law of nature is he following? So if God says, I'm going to move you and you're going to jump from this end to that end, the question is how? Are there anything, are there some things written in the Bible that can help us to understand this? So I want to just say a few things that I have found personally has worked for me and how God moved us from crippling debt, kept moving us, kept moving us to where we got sufficient and maybe even have a little bit above sufficient. But that's not where I'm going to stop because until I am blessing the whole world, I'm not stopping. And for me to bless the whole world, I think I might have to get to the very end there. You don't have to come with me. You can stay. Any part of that spectrum you want to stay, you are free to stay. I'm just telling you where... I am going. Because you have to have sufficient to be able to give. And that's where the problem is. Bill Gates, who's going around trying to solve malaria and stuff around the world, I tell you it's not because um, he's hungry. He has eaten. His children are taken care of. Their whole family are taken care of. Now he wants to help solve real issues. 
you have to have a little bit of change to do that. So I am trusting God that when we start to talk about wealth increase, we're not talking of how I buy my next luxury car. We're talking of how can I be a blessing. Amen? God is not opposed to luxury car or luxury homes or anything, but he is more interested in us being a blessing. Point number one, partner with God. So let's go to Proverbs 19.17. This is very short. I just want to show you some of a few things we've learned over the years. This is personal just telling you things we've worked and the Lord has worked with us. Proverbs 19, 17. He that has pity upon the poor lendeth to the Lord. And that which he has given, he will pay him again. Can you put that up in the message translation? Mercy to the needy is a loan to God. And God pays back those loans in full. There's another translation that says, Whoever is kind to the poor is lending to the Lord. The benefit of his gift will return to him in abundance. So one of the easiest ways, I saw this and when I stopped doing it, I had to go back to it. Is that when you see somebody who has less than you, be a blessing. You don't need to know them. In fact, those you don't know are even the best. So, for example, if I stay in a hotel room, I cannot leave that hotel room. And I used to travel a whole bunch. But then I stopped traveling, but I still stay in hotel rooms. I cannot leave a hotel room knowing that somebody is coming to clean up after me and not be a blessing. They don't know me. I don't know them. They'll probably never bump into me. So what I do is, this is just me. I'm not saying you have to do it. But what I do is, I make sure I never have cash on me except when I'm, I'm traveling. So I put it, and I put it in a very nice way. If I have an envelope, I will. If not, I'll put it in a sheet of paper and wrap it up and write a nice note. Thank you, housekeeping. I really, I can put, I enjoyed my stay. Put it there and put a good tip. And I leave. They don't know me. Or sometimes I get into an airport and we're going to get on this shuttles that take us to the airport um, where you pick up a rental. All of us put our stuff, we get on that, rent, on that shuttle, we get in there, and everybody just gets off. And I'm looking at this guy who's shuttling between the um, rental car lot and the... And I'm thinking, he doesn't know me, this is the best place. So I dip my hand and I bring out something. And sometimes I'm hoping I have something. Sometimes I have a large note. Whatever I dip my hat and I find, I give it to him. And I guarantee he'll never see me again. And I'm doing this because, and most of them are shocked. It's like, oh, thank you, ma'am. And depending on what part of the country you are, if it's in the south, ma'am is commonplace. But when you're in the northeast and somebody says, thank you, ma'am, they were really blessed. <laughs> Because in, in New York, nobody says ma'am. So, and you know what? You're just partnering with God. Who knows what their prayer was that morning? You don't know. Who knows whether that person who's coming to housekeeping, cleaning my room that day, is just barely, barely putting it and making it and just, you know, holding it together. All I have may be $5. 
and all I have may be 20. It may even be two. The key is to give something. Partner with God because God is really looking for a way to bless that person. But he's not going to come from heaven. He's going to use people like you and me. Now, many of us are waiting till the end of the year where we have all this nice, glossy, you know, advertisement on the, on the television where you see children crying in Africa, flies flying all over their head, or animals dying, and say, if you just give 80 cents a day, uh-uh, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. That's a, that's a good thing, too, but we don't have to wait till then. When you go to eat, if your food, and don't be counting. So, my food is $5. What's 10%? Five over, uh-uh. Just give. Give. Who knows what, if that is some, people pray in the morning. And they don't know where their next this is coming from. You don't have a lot, but you have a tiny bit extra. You had $20, but the food was maybe eight. You know, you can be a blessing to the person who waited on you. There's, no, there's nothing wrong in being a blessing. As the Lord starts to see your heart, it's not a formula. It's a heart thing. As the Lord starts to see your heart. That if you had, you will give. If you had, you will bless this person. As the Lord starts to see that, guess what? He starts to funnel more to you. This is the Lord's business. This is how he does his stuff. Because God is in the business of blessing people. They don't have to be Christians. He just wants to bless them. That's why you wake up in the morning and the sun is still up there. He causes his son to shine on both the good and the bad, the really bad people and the really good people. So if people are hungry in Africa, if you put your hand in your pocket and all you're able to give is $5, or in India or wherever, just be, just be a blessing. Amen? So number one is to partner with God to take care of the poor. And remember I was telling you on that spectrum, some people are on that very end crippling debt. Don't be saying... You know, this is one thing that is not nice to say, well, I was poor. I know what I did. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I did what I needed to do. And I did what, what's wrong with you? You've got two feet, two hands. Can't you? Uh-uh. That's not for you to judge. If they're being lazy, leave them. God will sort them out. But you have, just bless them and Stop all the thinking. Just, just be a blessing and walk away. And if God needs to straighten them up, he will do it. Because one day you might have a need. And he will set, he's not going to drop the money from heaven. And if God did, guess what? It'd be counterfeit. You know, it'd be counterfeit if the Lord dropped money from heaven. Because we know that if it's not printed by the central bank of the United States, it's counterfeit money. So he's not, gonna, he's not going to drop it. He's going to send somebody to you. Why don't you like God to send somebody to you? So why don't you be that person? My first tip about supernatural increase. So you're lending to God. This is the last one I'm going to talk about. In Mark 10, 17, 
If you have the HCSB, let's use that. Mark 10, 17. This is the crux of the matter. We're almost done. This is the crux of the matter. Your heart. When the Lord is wanting to increase you, it's your heart. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at how kind you are, how good you are. Are you going to be a blessing or not? So there's this guy. We call him, if you're a student of the Bible, you read the Bible at all. Mark 10, 17, the rich young ruler. Verse 17, and he was setting out on a journey. A man ran up to him and knelt down before him. And this he is Jesus. Somebody runs to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And verse 18, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, and so on. Verse 20, this man says, teacher, I have kept all this from my youth. So watch this. This person goes to church faithfully. This is why church going is not number one. It's your heart. I have done all this. I don't murder. I don't talk bad about people. I am kind to people. I do my best. Teacher, I have kept all this from my youth. Verse 21, looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, who is speaking to this young man? Jesus. He runs to Jesus to ask a question because he felt Jesus certainly knew more than he did. Because he felt Jesus was probably the Messiah. Maybe Jesus is the Savior we've been told is coming. So he comes thinking, wow, Jesus, I just know that you will tell me what I need to do. And then Jesus tells him, okay, I'll tell you what you need to do. Go sell your stuff all of your stuff, and give to the poor. Well, um, suddenly Jesus is not all that smart. Suddenly Jesus is not doing the right thing. Suddenly Jesus is, you know, all this. Verse 22, he was dismayed by his demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So this guy... If you look at that spectrum, I think he was maybe towards the very end of the wealth. He probably had a lot of money. That's my guess. And Jesus says to him, see, he says, go and sell everything. So this guy, I tell you, if you are here, poor in need of help with welfare, you don't have a lot. If Jesus says this is the answer to your problem, you say, Jesus, you mean to sell the two plates I have? And my uh, forks and knives. What else do you need? Me? I'll sell it all. What do you need from me, Jesus? But no, this guy was at the very end. He probably had all the kind of cars, Alfa, Romeo, Mercedes, not the small ones most of us drive. The real Mercedes, the one that's like 300,000, you know, Ferraris and have all those cars. And Jesus says to him, 
you are such a lovely man. I love you with all my heart. You know what you need? The answer to your problem. You sell the Ferrari, sell the Alfa Romeo, sell everything, sell everything. Bring the money, we'll give it to the poor. He looked at Jesus as like, you got to be kidding me. What are you talking about? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So I have to go into heaven poor? No, Jesus did not say you will lose everything. He just said we're changing the location of your wealth. He didn't say you will lose everything. He just said you will move the wealth from the bank accounts of this world and we will move treasure to heaven. It's a different way of thinking. Supernatural increase is a different way of thinking. It's not the way we think of it. I walk eight hours a week. I walk uh, eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. I do overtime. Time plus, how do we say, you know, when you do overtime. Time and a half. I do this. I do this. Then I come. I have $500 extra. No, Jesus said no. I want to move you in a way you've never been moved before, supernaturally, and just sell everything. Let's give it to the... Jesus didn't say give it to me. He said let's give it to the poor. The Bible says he went away sorrowing, very grieved, and very angry and offended. Why? Because his heart was already tied. To all those things. His status and who he thought he was was linked to the cars. Who he thought he was was linked to the kind of house and the address and the zip code he lived in. For him to sell all that and be like Jesus, like a vagrant, just walking about, no home, nothing. He loses his status in society and he says, I'm sorry man, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do this. And Jesus said in verse 23, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. That was a test. That was a test for him. He failed the test. The test for us is to move from our preconceived ideas and start to follow God's way of doing things. Being compassionate to others. Being a blessing, don't let, check, you know, this is one of the things I used to tell people, look at your bank account statement or your checkbook if you write checks, it tell you where if all you have is Macy's, oh, give me the names, Nordstrom, I forget the names, Saks, okay, now let's come down where all of us are, leave, Marks, J.C. Penn. No, let's come down to where we are. Walmart. I'm a Walmart shopper. Woo, Walmart for life. Okay. Target. 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 Um, all these. Okay, maybe I will move a little bit above all these. Because I used to I, I used to be a strong Aldi shopper. Then, then I stopped going to all this. So wherever it is, if you look at all of it, it tells you something. If you don't see money being withdrawn to give to somebody, if you don't see a check written to help, if you don't see a tithe check, tithe, 10%, I'm not going to get into all that. If all your money goes to your goods and the things that take care of you, you will have increase. It just won't be supernatural. 
You'd have to labor for every penny you make. That's too hard. Favor that should come to you that gives you increase in leaps and bounds, you won't have it. Because God is not committed to you in that way. Like this guy who walked away, that was it. He and Jesus parted ways. He continued to make his money, but that was the end of it. But if he had walked with Jesus, God would have been committed like God was committed to Peter. He had no money to pay his taxes. God told him, Jesus told him, go the, to the fish. The first fish you catch in the river, there'll be a gold coin. Pay all the taxes. Who, who, who experiences such supernatural things? People who are in kahoot with God. Amen. Were you blessed this morning? Well, praise God, supernatural increase. I am very excited that God is going to be moving in our lives. I have not told you to give me anything. I have not told you to give. I'm telling you to partner with God, though. Partner with him. Partner with him. Help him to reach the people he wants to reach. And he will not forget you. He'll just cause it to flow through you. Amen.